Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the Fed, bond yields, mortgage rates, and more. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, with Ryan Marshall, CEO and founder of Equity Protect, to talk about a very specific and growing kind of fraud risk. Ryan, what is deed fraud? In today's landscape, scammers follow a series of steps, often by obtaining a list of properties without mortgages, and are frequently non-owner occupied from industry providers like Title Toolbox or Title 365. They then delve a little deeper, identifying properties with recently recorded grantor-grantee deeds where the notary stamp is still valid. They'll take the deed, they'll modify the deed in a electronic uh, format, something like Adobe Pro. They'll change the ownership details to their own. They'll add a fictitious escrow number. They'll modify the recording request to appear legitimate. And then they'll make slight alterations to the return address, making sure that that title company or the proposed uh, title company never sees a copy of it. They then carefully refine the copy to make sure that it resembles an original document. And then they simply submit it to an online service provider or they physically walk it into a county recorder's office. The next step is the scammer will visit a local bank with uh, lax security measures in place. They assume a false identity. They apply for a loan, patiently wait a three-day rescission period, deposit the money into an account that's often held for five to seven days. They'll withdraw it, and then they vanish without a trace. Ryan, thanks for letting us know about that. Listeners, you can find out more information about deed fraud and how to prevent it at equityprotect.com. Logan, welcome to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, in just another crazy six, seven days that we've had to deal with, with everything, with the economy, the Middle East situation, the bond market, and more and more Federal Reserve people. We're recording this at the Housing Wire annual event in Austin, and we have met dozens of people, hundreds of people, um, talk to them about the mortgage rate lockdown, which, by the way, I have lots of people on my side. Don't worry, audience. I'm going to do great. I'm going to win. But um, You know, Sarah, I, I, I'm questioning the, 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 the mindset of trying to talk trash to me and, and thinking that that's going to be your best thing. You know? now, as I just said before we started recording, the more you assume that you're going to win this, the more determined it's I am. It's not about winning. It's about destroying my opponent. Oh, it's about in, winning. In, in the biggest fourth fashion. So everyone then knows that there was Sarah Wheeler, the person who thought, they can beat Logan Motoshami. Oh, I can beat Logan Motoshami. <laughs> that that is that is definite. Um, we have a lot to talk about today. And actually, when you told me what you think the headline of this should be, which is "Have we reached the peak mortgage rates for 2023?" I hope so. Right, fingers crossed. You know, um, what we're going to talk about today is we're actually going to first go back to October 27th last year. And why did, you know, we write that article on that day about, you know, the, the peak of the 10-year yield and mortgage rates then. And if people don't remember, um, 
I'm talking more of the bond market, what the markets are doing. And last year, the dollar was getting stronger. You know, uh, Japan had to do intervention. What we saw was uh, London was on the verge of uh, losing its pension funds. There was so much market stress and inflation was still rising. But the Fed's own recessionary indicator, the main one, flagged you know uh, uh, on that day so i thought okay market sense wise there's a major sell-off there's major stress around the world most likely you know we've had a short-term peak the next move is going to be lower there are some similarities to that uh today uh for different reasons the the 10-year yield has escalated you know right in front of the fed the fed before the uh fed meeting talked about you know bond yields are already high enough already it's in restrictive territory. So if the growth rate of inflation falls, we can maybe cut rates a little bit next year. And then it just blew, blew right on them. So what do we know right now is that as of today, seven Fed presidents have now come on and try to like talk the market down. Maybe not aggressively, I would say, but still enough to say, hey, listen, the bond yields are up here. There's no more rate hikes going. So they're trying to give the impression that it's over. Right. This is this is it. Uh, so the ten-year yield doesn't go more and more above it. And, you know, we've talked about this for 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 a while now. Real yields were restricted for them when the ten-year yield was at four to four and a quarter. You know, and they talked about okay, we could cut rates next year. It goes above four and a quarter, and then then we, we even talked about this. They were going to have to come out and maybe talk the market down or intervene in some way. I, I, I would not say they've intervened, but they are. I mean, Waller and Logan are both the presidents that are very hawkish, and they're even kind of trying to store this uh, because what they don't want is they don't want something to break in the sense that they're forced to cut. They want to keep rates higher for longer and then create more labor supply. So they don't want to do it in the way that something is so quick. So uh, I think it's very telling that that they've had seven Fed presidents come out in the last uh, seven days and talk the market down. Well, and I know you feel like there's a significance specifically in Waller, right? I mean, because he's the attack dog they yeah. sent out for, for when they want to be yeah. hawkish. Yeah, and he kind of said, you know, the bond market's kind of doing our work for us and stuff. So again, for me, I'm not a Fed pivot person um, because, you know, I think the, they won't pivot like people want until they actually see the labor market break. And that's that's been correct. You know, um, there's a lot of the Fed won't pivot people, but they're just kind of like, hey, listen, we just want to crash the economy. Let the Fed raise rates fast enough to break things. I'm kind of in the other camp where the labor market is better than what they think. So uh, in, in this case, we're in a different spot here because the Fed has already raised rates so much so fast. So for them to actually now come and try to talk the markets down makes sense to where the growth rate of inflation is. And, and you know, in, in the presentation I had yesterday, was trying to emphasize to people it is a positive that the growth rate of inflation is falling. You know, even though some people are frustrated that mortgage rates haven't fall, we won't be having this discussion today if the growth rate of inflation hasn't been falling for the for the last few months. I mean, that has to happen. I think I think where you would say the Fed has just misstepped is that the whole premise that we have to have the labor market break is not based on current conditions. Well, they kind of believe that for inflation to go down, the economy has to grow below trend and the labor market has to get softer or break in that sense, the 1970s model. The labor market is fine. Uh, the economy is still growing and the growth rate of inflation fell by itself. End of story. Game's over. That didn't work. 
right? You know, so if you want to say, well, it wasn't about the growth rate of inflation, Paul, and we just want that 2% level. Okay. Then, then you have to change everything you said last year because they went heads down. We're going straight for the 1970s uh, model to get, to get the Fed funds rate above inflation. Um, and right now we're just, they're in a, they're in, they're in a spot they're comfortable with. My, my thing is that if you're a trader, you understand key technical levels on the bond market. And I, and I understand why there was a lot of short shorts in the bond market. People betting that the bond yields will go up with supply, what's happening with Japan, everything. The Fed being hawkish in that statement backfired on them. If, if you believe that they're the, um, uh, they want a soft landing. So this explains maybe all of the Fed members coming out to try to, you know, Humpty Dumpty fell. You know, all the king's men is trying to, you know, fix them. So in that sense, I think it's uh, uh, they're just trying to walk things back a little bit. And if that's the case, then did mortgage rates peak? It could be. There, I mean, the, we've had a short-term explosion that 4.875% on the 10-year yield that I had the state of midnight to see. Uh, um, that's that's the key level right now. And the the more the 10-year yield goes lower and lower, the the better that that premise will be but we really need to break under 4.34 percent i think this is one of the reasons logan that you said for a long time like old and slow because they're looking at it from the 70s perspective but we are not we do not have a 1970s economy take out the take out a, a you know the stuff we're talking about all that i mean just look at the way the economy works is fundamentally different well, we, we don't have the labor force growth in the 70s, you know, uh, uh, oil, we had an oil shock for different reasons. I mean, oil prices have to be like at $450 adjusting to inflation to get back to that to that level. So um, uh, it's just, I think the Fed just felt like their credibility was dead and they needed to just push things and they wanted a recession and it just quite didn't happen and they're surprised about it and you know and it's all happening with jobless claims near 200,000. I think that's that's the big ticket uh, that the labor market is getting easier but not not the way that you know some people thought. The Fed really just had to you know get their credibility back. They pushed short-term rates as high as possible. They put their heads down and just went with it and, you know, forecasted a recession in 2020. You know, I, I tell people, people forget this. They had a 4.5% forecast for the unemployment rate. That's a recession, right? Uh, and that's why I always say the soft landing is really based on 45 to 4.75%. If it goes above 4.75%, that's not a soft landing. So this is, everyone has their own metrics for it. But in this case, you know, the economy is growing above trend. The labor market is 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 getting softer. Of course, job openings are down, wage growth is down, but it's not breaking like they thought they needed to. So the growth rate of inflation that they always stress about the seventies, and the reason I bring up the nineteen seventies is because Fed members all they do is bring up the nineteen seventies again. Right. So we are using their own words against them, but in this case, the growth rate is falling. Right. You know, with the PPI number, inflation came out today. It was a little bit hotter than normal, but it's not. Does not look anything like the seventies. We had a we had an inflationary event with COVID. The disinflation factors are happening. It takes time for some of the other things to work itself out. But um, the entrenched nineteen seventy booming economy, whatever in that in that mindset, uh, wages spiraling out of control. Not here, and and the labor market side. That's that's why I always emphasize that. But but in this case, recently. For, for this situation, it's just the bond market, you know, how you have to think like bond market traders. And the traders pushed it on the Fed because the Fed gave them enough ammunition to do so. And rightly, they ran yields up 
on them. Um, so I think the you know I, I'm I'm still not a Fed pivot person. I don't consider any of this as a Fed pivot, but it is noticeable that they're all kind of trying to walk things back. So I had Sandra Thompson on this morning, right? Um, we did a fireside chat here at the conference. And when we were talking about affordability, she brought up wage growth and said, you know, like affordability is hard right now because you have had inflation on home prices on these other things. But wage growth hasn't really kept up with that sort of infa- inflation. That's what she said, right? Uh, director of the FHFA. Well, n- wage growth now is in a better spot because the growth rate of inflation is fall. So I think, you know, when you talk about home buyers, when home prices are up 40%, you know, in a, in a very short amount of time, the savagely unhealthy housing market, uh, there's, there's no way you could get that kind of wage growth to kind of match that. So, uh, and again, so much of housing is really your starting base pay when you, how old you are, you know, dual household incomes. But uh, uh, the wage growth that we've seen, the real strength has come in the lower end. So that, that in a sense, helps renter financial profiles. It does. That's a great point that uh, where wage growth was happening, I mean, you know, it's good that some people saw their wages grow, but that's not necessarily going to be the home buyers. Well, no, I mean, on, on the lower end side, uh, n- not really, unless they're part of a dual household income. Uh, so it's it's a good thing. Like we, we, you know, the whole thing about the U.S. economy for long is wage growth on the lower end was not happening. So this is a positive, I think. So it's just it's just a lot has happened. And with what happened in the Middle East, you know, how much is this in the Middle East? Because, you know, whenever the world is in chaos, people run to the dollar, people come to U.S. bonds. But I think a lot of this move recently It's just the Fed trying to talk the market back. That's it. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM. Melinda, what should independent mortgage brokers be doing right now to prepare for when rates do eventually come down? It's a great time to think about such an exciting time ahead. A couple of things. One, focusing on scalability of their business, how to do loans more quickly and with even greater service. It's a great time right now to really focus on the experience with the borrower too and the referral partners, the realtors, the people that they work with today to get business, really uh, strengthen those relationships, but really a giant focus on how to give the borrower the best experience so that when rates fall, it's a no-brainer. Let's do this again. Let's get our rate lowered. And then thirdly, really just focusing on the business and building the business. So whether it's marketing strategies, how am I going to do things differently uh, when it's a refinance period? Um, How am I going to um, train better and quicker next time if they intend on growing and adding to their team? What are the things that I can do to make training more quickly and and easy in the future? So it's a really great time to think about such an exciting time, but really important to think about and take the time to think about what's ahead. All great points. And listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. this is one of the hardest things about um, just like last year, we when we have these different shocks, there's no way to know how long they're going to last or how people are going to, you know, respond to them. And in this case, especially, I mean, this seems like this escalation. I mean, when's the end point going to be? It is. It is. But you know what? It's as long as things don't escalate into a bigger situation, it, it's manageable. Um, and the, the dollar is not as strong as it was last year. I, you know, the dollar getting too strong has always been my, you know, bad things happen in the world when the dollar gets too strong. So here the dollar has been getting stronger lately, but it's, it's, it's kind of calming itself down. So, um, for now, I think the markets are forgetting about like forgiving this one. Uh, but the fed talk, I cannot stress enough has been the main thing. 
that I think that has calmed the markets down because the markets were wild. Bond markets don't usually uh, act that way. And I, I kind of joke about last year because last year the IMF came in. They wanted Ethan Hunt to come and stop the uh, Federal Reserve. Well, the IMF came back and they said, <laughs> hey, listen, the bond market sector. So we have some of the similarities to last year. I just think we're in a much different situation because the Fed has already done its rate hikes. The growth rate of inflation is already falling, and this was a unnecessary hawkish forward guidance uh, out there. So, uh, the the most positive thing about this is that it got the Fed's attention, right? right? And this is was the framework of our discussion, you know, many weeks ago that said if the if the ten year yield breaks above four and a quarter and something goes wrong, they would most likely have to talk this back. And we've got seven Fed presidents plus Treasury Secretary, not like forcing the issue. I mean, right now, if they wanted to, they just make one statement. We're done QT. No more quantitative tightening. We're done. They haven't done that, right? They're still talking about, well, even if we cut rates, we might do, we might still do quantitative tightening. If they wanted to change the narrative of, of fully, they can do so. They choose not to. So this is why I don't say this is a Fed pivot. It's hard to understand why they don't do that. I mean, I know that they have the bigger economy to think about, but if you kill housing, that's not good. Well, housing's demand is near 21st century low. So I think taking it, well, another thing that happened is the NAR, the Mortgage Banking Association, and the National Association of Home Builders all wrote a letter to one of the jokes I made here at the presentation was that the Federal Reserve, if they look at the purchase application data, it's like that old chimpanzee commercial where the they they were all happy because they thought they made millions of dollars. And then some guy comes in, no, your chart's really this. Oh. It's going down. And that's if they looked at the mortgage purchase application and we had Fed presidents for weeks say housing's recovering. I was like, what are you looking at? Like I can't I can't like defend them when it's like and I just have to say, oh, it's like it's like the chimp commercial. Somebody's showing them the reverse of the NBA data. <laughs> and uh, um, now that also talks about how that the reversal in their tone has to be talked about within the housing, but they can't. They have to come out and say, well, maybe we were wrong that housing was recovering because the trend of purchase application data were going lower. So, Listen, they need to talk to anyone in housing and yeah. ask them, hey, how is housing doing? Is it recovering? It would take one conversation l if they cared. Let, let, let me give you the honest truth. The Fed gets third-party information, and they dissect it through that way. Like anybody who tracks housing data, any intuitive person would tell you how you want to talk about housing is new home sales are growing because they can offer lower rates. Right. But the existing home sales market has stabilized demand, but it's not in a sense growing. Home sales have been falling for months. So as the Federal Reserve presidents, you have to realize when you say something and the data is so clear the other way, it makes you lose your credibility to any Federal Reserve member listening right now or staff members. Please tell them that. It's very hard to defend your bosses when they can't read the simplest data. Also, you you risk breaking something right now that really is not going to be able to, to be easy to get back. You know, we talk a lot about the fact that the banks took a step back after the took a huge step back after the financial crisis when it came to mortgage lending. It just it wasn't profitable for them. Why should they do it? Right. Um, and who stepped in the IMBs, the independent mortgage banks, you know, it. With buybacks, with a whole bunch of other things, I mean, they're at risk right now. We're, we've seen so much, you know, industry turmoil already. We know more is coming. Like, if you break this, who's going to step in and do it? Well, the banks don't want mortgage. They don't. Yeah, I, again, I've always had this belief with the Fed. Housing isn't their thing. 
Right. There's just there's just the, the credit things for 2000 to 2005 wasn't their thing. The you know talking about uh, um, you know where we were discussing in 2021 that you know we actually do need higher rates. I understand yeah. uh, their job is for the economy. You don't make policy around housing, but there's just there's I've always I could always tell when people get third party information and then they kind of puzzle it or put the put the pieces together rather than people who are just it's religion to them it's oxygen it's food it's water you're disca- describing yourself yes right now. yes I know. and it's just like you can't there's things that are said and it's just i've always said this it, when you're the fed president it just isn't a good look it's you know? not a good look. Well, i hope that we can look back at this date so we are um we are doing this on october 11th right mm-hmm. October 11th is when we're recording this. If we could look back and say this was the peak. We were right. This was the peak of mortgage rates um, for 2023. And they came down. And then we have that mini boom like we had last year with purchase apps. uh, As soon as we got a little bit, just a little bit lower in rates. And then we had, what, three months of purchase app data that was better? Well, you know, last year, uh, seven and a quarter was the peak. And then mortgage rates went all the way down to 5.99%. But it it happened with duration. And this is one of the things I would say. Lower rates, if it has to happen for like a while just to let everybody, because people just don't jump out of their house and, oh, let's go buy a house right now because rates fell. You know, it's a process. So you need duration. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this goes. There's some similarities to what happened last year, but I'm just keeping that eye, that 4.875%. And now we know the Fed is in the game of trying to talk the market back down. And then we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there because, uh, uh, you know, by, by the time people listen to this podcast, the CPI report has come in. And again, the, the trend growth rate is, is slowing from where it was. So they don't need to be as hawkish anymore. Land the plane, Jay. Just land the plane, okay? There's no, there's no, there's no need to do anything else but just to land the e- plane. Even a bumpy landing, even if it's not super soft, if it's a bumpy landing, we just need it. We need some certainty to know. I mean, that that's exactly what all the trade groups were asking we'll even, for. We'll even take, you know, Robert Hayes airplane landing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll take that one at this point. But, uh, just don't uh, a total crash. That is an iconic scene right there that I'm thinking of. Um, but I also just think, I mean, that's why all the trade groups went to them and just said, you know, you need to outline what it is you're trying to do so that people can plan. It's it's impossible to, to run a business uh, when when things are so unpredictable and they're being unpredictable because of the Fed. Yes. And to any of the Fed staffers that I know are listening, if you need help, okay, contact Housing Wire. Give me at least 20 minutes. Okay. Let me explain what's going on on the weekly data and inventory data and everything. And, and, and so there's a more coherent message rather than saying, housing market is recovering and then all of a sudden purchase application data is back to 1995 levels. It quite doesn't work that way to the public. Wait, Logan stands by ready to help Fed members. That's what he's saying. He is he is here for you. Or they could just listen to this podcast and know that, you know, what, what they might should be doing right now. Okay, well, I think that's all we have for today. But um, the people who are here, I, I'm really looking forward to tomorrow live podcast of us talking about the mortgage rate lockdown. Um, I am so encouraged by all the people who are like, we love it when you stick it to Logan. Like, like make sure he knows. Sarah, there has been a lot of people. <laughs> there is a graveyard of a lot of people over the last 10 or 11 years who, who just go, oh, yeah, the mer- uh, you know, recession is happy and home prices are going to fall like the bubble. And Th- These are not my people. We're not talking about the yes, same people. Yes, but I'm just saying that none of them have won. 
Okay. Right? And there's a reason. Okay. We so will tomorrow, see. So you're going to witness a strategic, you know, a tactical strategic approach that I'm actually going to use your own words against you. Okay. That I know what you're going to say ahead of time. And then it's going to be. I'm going to ask you again. Are you a good loser? I hope you are, <laughs> Logan, because I would be so sad if you were a poor it loser. Is, it, is, it is just priceless to watch that smiling face of yours right now. Just to know how it's going to look tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> We will keep you guys updated if you're not here in person. But once again, Logan, thank you for being with us. um, And we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insights.